may recall that Pandavas escaped from the city of Varnavada. And uh, we talked about their how they first uh, fled and uh, reached a point in the, in, the, in the forest far away from the city. And uh, they were accosted there by a Rakshasa named Tidimba. First, of course, his sister, who fell in love with Bhima, and then they eventually went on to the city of Ekachakra. But they stayed at the house of a Brahmana. And uh, Bhima eventually killed a, a mighty Rakshasa named Nambaka. I'd like to take a step back so that we can look at how all, not all these activities, but what did it look like from the point of view of the world, let's say the House of Lack. So how did the world see at least those events which they knew about? For one thing, uh, when the House of Lack burned down, the news spread, I want to say like wildfire, but... <laughs> The news spread quickly everywhere that the five Kuru princes and their mother had died in this terrible fire. And even today, that's, that's for example, there was recently a tragedy uh, involving Poland, uh, a flight into Russia and so on. So the, the death, or the apparent death, of the five Kuru princes, including Yudhisthira, all of them, and, and their mother Kunti, the famous Kunti, was of course a huge headline. I mean, it, this, this was like shocking, dramatic news for everyone. However, there is evidence that uh, this tragic event uh, was not altogether... There was still some mystery attached to it. Now, for one thing, Purochana died. And therefore, Duryodhana never, in fact, had the final confirmation he wanted. Duryodhana, of course, needed Purochana to say they're dead. I personally, but Purochana was dead. That itself was, to some minds anyway, suspicious. Now, from the point of view of the people, the people of Hastinapur, what did they, what did they feel? The people of Hastinapur, who loved the Pandavas. They actually suspected an assassination attempt. And uh, they, when they heard the news, of course, it was, uh, I think, it, for example, when I was a young boy, Kennedy was assassinated. I mean, there's different events where, where, different, uh, where great leaders are assassinated in Israel, the Sakhar right? That must have been very shocking for people. And so uh, people actually went out into the streets and they blamed the government. I pointed this out before, that there was freedom of speech. Uh, people often criticized the government, and there was never any hint that you couldn't do that, or there was some, something bad would happen to you if you did it. So the people in general strongly suspected that Duryodhana was behind it, that this had actually not been an accident, but an assassination. So that was in the air, the, the, the strong uh, anger, this anger among just the people in general. And then, of course, there was Duryodhana uh, in great anxiety because Parochan was dead. Now, it's also, as, as Shankar and I were discussing, that uh, in some accounts of this, the Pandavas, before they set fire to the house, they went to the morgue or the, the crematorium and they took five bodies. 
they found five bodies and put them in the house so that the people, because when the fire went up, of course, as soon as the fire started, uh, very soon people realized that there was a fire in the city. And the word went out, and the whole city woke up in the middle of the night, and everyone rushed to the house, and of course, uh, they didn't have the kind of equipment we have today. You know, there were no you know, firefighting helicopters or, or whatever. And so uh, there was very little they could do except to stand there and watch in horror as this house went up in flames. And of course, the Pandas were nowhere to be seen. And they suspected the worst. So the people of Arnavata were shocked. They, they, they witnessed this fire. And of course, apparently when, when the fire finally burned itself out, much later, they found the remains of these bodies. And without modern forensic techniques, they probably, they must have assumed these were the Pandavas. So the word went to Asinapur. And um, Vidura, undoubtedly Vidura uh, could not, how should I put it, he could not uh, perhaps fully convince everyone that he was grief-stricken. Now Vidura, just like Duryodhana, did not have any confirmation. He knew he sent an excavator. He knew that a tunnel was being dug. He knew that there was a plan. You know, plan A was kill the Pandavas. Plan B was kill Purochana and escape. And so, in all the panic and the and, 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 and the you know super adrenaline situation of escaping the house, there was no question of like, let's just send one email to Uncle Vidura. <laughs> so they really had no way of communicating. They went to Ekachakra. They had no trusted persons with them. There was no one they could trust to take a message to Vidura. And so communications really broke down. And so you have a situation where Vidura strongly suspects they escaped but has no confirmation. Duryodhana and Vidurastra suspect they died, but they have no confirmation. Vidura is undoubtedly Undoubtedly, again, these were extremely shrewd politicians. Undoubtedly, Duryodhana and his men were carefully watching Vidura to see how he reacted, and so on. And um, so the whole thing was up in the air. The people, if Hasanapur suspected it was an assassination, the whole world was shocked by it, and that was the situation. Meanwhile, the Pandavas went to Ekachakra. Now, the news must have eventually reached Duryodhana Dhritarashtra that not too far from Varnavata, on the night that the Pandavas died, Arakshasa was brutally killed. And this, of course, was Bhima's trademark. <laughs> so, uh, by the time they got to Ekachakra, and lived in the house of Brahman, that was presumably much farther away, and therefore you couldn't exactly connect things. But still, what I mean to say is there was a general belief that the Pandavas were dead, that Kunti also had died. There were suspicions in various quarters for various reasons they had not died and were still alive. Still alive and uh, it, it really was still an open mystery in a sense. Probably they were dead, but... Now, the reason I mentioned this is because... Well, you'll see why in a few minutes. Um, now, the Pandavas have killed, or Bhima has killed the demon Baka after eating his dinner. 
And Conti tells them that uh, we'd better get out of Dodge. Uh, you know, we, we really probably should leave here because uh, we don't want this kind of attention. Everyone's going to start talking about this. And uh, the fact that there are five young men and their mothers staying in the house of the Brahmin, whose turn it was to feed the Rakshasa. And so it was clear to see that they needed to leave. At that time, the Brahmin came, as I explained this morning, the BNN, the Brahminical News Network, <laughs> that actually in this culture, it was the wandering sages and Brahmins who often did provide the news, because they were the travelers. They were articulate, they were intelligent, they had access to the government as Brahmins, and often you find it's these Brahmins who traveled, who met each other at different, I guess you'd call it Brahmana watering holes, and, and they would actually spread the news. So at that time, a Brahmana came to a Kachakra and met with the Pandavas. He, he, he went to that Brahmin's house and met the Pandavas and told them something which was very shocking. And that is that um, the last the Pandavas knew uh, the last they knew was that, with their help, the, the dear friend of their father, Drupada, had been humiliated. He'd lost half his kingdom. He, he lost his will to govern the half that was left. He, he'd gone off into the forest. Now the Brahmin reported that, in fact, Drupada had found two powerful Brahmins named Yaga and Upayaga. Upa. In Sanskrit, means kind of small. In this case, it's, it's like yaga and little yaga. So often in Sanskrit, a younger brother is like like the brothers. Like for example, Indra's kid brother is called Upendra, which is actually the incarnation of Vamana. And so it's sort of like Indra and kid Indra, or yaga and uh, little yaga. So these were two powerful Brahmins, and Drupada was realizing that his kshatriya, with his kshatriya power, he could not defeat Drona, and he had no other purpose in life except to avenge himself and get back his kingdom. He searched everywhere for Brahmanas who had the power to deal with Drona. And he finally found these two, these very powerful ascetic Brahmins, Yaga and Yaga, these two brothers. And somehow or other, he, he served them meaningly. Here was a king, one of the great kings of the time, and yet, like a brahmachari, like a, well, you know, like, like in a very humble mood, he simply served these brahmins until they agreed to grant his wish. And his wish was, he wanted, Drupada wanted a son who would kill Drona. Wanted to keep him in the family. So, they granted his wish. The young, older brother was a little reluctant, like, we don't generally do that kind of thing. But the younger brother thought, hey, you know, our business is sacrifice. And so, it's kind of like the family business. So they finally agreed to do it. And they performed the sacrifice. And out of the sacrificial fire, out of the sacrificial fire came sort of like this, this consummate warrior who just flew out of the sacrificial fire named Drishtajumna. And he was born with the power to kill Drona who was not only a military professor, but himself, uh, although he was a brahmana, as he was also, he had these <clears throat> extraordinary weapons which he had received from Parashuram. And therefore, he was one of the most dangerous men in the world. 
also, yeah, no extra cost to Jupiter, from the, from the altar of the sacrificial fire came out this, a goddess, you could say, I mean, a, a human woman, but who was, in a sense, a goddess. And um, she came out of the sacrificial fire. Her temperament was fiery. And she was so beautiful that her beauty was so great that it was actually one of the creations of the gods to destroy the Asuras. Because so great was her beauty that again and again the Asuras would succumb to her beauty and be destroyed. And this, of course, was Draupadi. And, and she, was, she has many names, Panchali, because her father's kingdom was Panchala, Draupadi, because her father was Drupada, Yajnasani. She has many different names, and uh, also she's called Krishna, with a long A at the end, feminine, because she was so devoted to Krishna. So this is Draupadi. Now, the Pandas knew nothing of this. The Pandas knew nothing of this. They were off in some town. And to hear that Drupada, who was like their uncle, the dear friend of their father, had now begotten a son who would kill their guru. So they were very shocked to hear this. Suddenly the balance of world power was shifting. With this. And uh, the Brahman also informed the Pandavas that Draupadi, who was, whose beauty was legendary now in the world, was going to hold a swine bar and choose a husband. And the Brahman looked at the Pandavas and said, you Brahmanas, he thought they were Brahmins, you Brahmins are kind of, you know, look like you're in pretty good shape. <laughs> so why don't you go to the Swayamvara and compete for Draupadi? Now, first of all, here was the daughter of one of their father's closest friends. She, her beauty was now legendary. And if the Pandavas could somehow or other win Draupadi and thereby form this alliance with Drupada, they would now have a major world power behind them and they could come out of hiding. So they, they had all kinds of reasons. I mean, we, I mean, you know, there were romantic reasons and there were very practical geopolitical reasons. And they sort of all combined. And so the, the Pandva said, yeah, let's go. We, we'll go with you. So um, on the way there, as, uh, on the way there, isn't on the way there that they met that... Um, King of the, the Gandharvas, isn't it? On the road to the Swainvara. Yeah, I believe it is. And this will this will have repercussions later in the story. On the way there, they're going to Brahmins, and again, they were dressed like Brahmana, like like Brahmana young young men, young Brahmanas. And so on the way, sometimes they, they would walk by themselves, so they were on the bank of the Ganges, and They wanted to take back the Ganges in the evening, but there were some Gandharvas there. There was actually a Gandharva king was in the water. And remember that another Gandharva had killed the Kuru king Chitrangada, uh, the son of Shantanu. So uh, the Gandharva insulted them and said, stay away from the river. That at this time of the night, the river is only for Gandharvas. So there's another problem with the Gandharva. And the Pandavas must have remembered that one of these people killed their forefather, actually. Uh, so Arjuna stepped forward and replied that the, 
Ganga, the Ganges, is a sacred river. There's no restriction. Anyone at any time can take shelter in her waters. At that point, the Gandharva fired a weapon at Arjun, which Ar and, 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 and so once he fired, Arjun was free to respond. And so Arjun, who was kind of uh, thrilled at the chance to do some of this stuff again, Arjun immediately fired back these flaming weapons and, uh, and literally knocked the Gandharva unconscious and burned his chariot to ashes. And the Gandharva woke up, he's kind of a good sport, because his, his name was Chitraratha, one who has a beautiful chariot. He said, now I'm Dugdaratha, one who's got a burned out chariot. <laughs> Actually, this story takes place a little later. I think I, think I just got some little out of sequence. Anyway, Shankar kindly tolerated that. So. But that's a real story, but we'll come back to that story later. So the Pandavas are going to uh, going to Panchala with they're going to Panchala with the Brahmins and they get there. Now these great events were an important uh, economic activity also because one of the things the Brahmins told the Pandavas is that the king is going to give out a lot of charity. So the, some of the Brahmins would actually depend upon these great royal events to go and receive charity and so on. Anyway, so there, there's an elaborate description in the Mahabharata about all the arrangements that Drupada made. Uh, he, he built guest quarters, just like here, he built that nice new Gunga building. And so for this great event, uh, they built all kinds of guest quarters. And uh, Drupada, Drupada, of course, as a world leader, was keenly aware of and was monitoring all of the reports and rumors about the Pandavas. And Drupada's dream had always been to marry his daughter to one of the sons of Pandu. And Drupada, his intuition, he suspected. Also, Drupada, as a good friend of Pandu, must have been also close with Vidura. And so the text doesn't really talk about this, but somehow or other, we do know that Drupada suspected the Pandavas were alive, and therefore he, with Draupadi, arranged a Swayamvara ceremony that would favor the Pandavas if, in fact, they were alive. Anyway, this was a typical thing where you had to shoot. What was it that uh, there was a wheel? A wheel with spokes was turning, and behind this turning wheel was a target, a small target, and you had to shoot through this spinning wheel and hit the target, and you had to look at the target, not directly, but as it was reflected in uh, water. That was, you know, the water was not even still. The water was moving about. So you had to look in this agitated, turbulent water, see the reflection of a spinning wheel, and shoot through the spokes and hit a target. Uh, clearly not for a, for a beginning archer. Not for the neophyte. So, so this was the task. Now, it's interesting that uh, there's also a bow to be strung, isn't it? <clears throat> this is a typical thing. You find it in the Ramayana. You find it when Krishna entered Dwarka, that they make these really uh, stiff bows. Made, and they're huge, stiff bows that no human being can, can bend. And so, you have to, so you have to hit the target with this bow, which is almost impossible to string because you can't bend it. And so it takes a tremendous feat of strength to do that. 
So, meanwhile, all the princes have come because Drobody basically is, you know, like standing room only for princes. Because Drobody is so beautiful that all of the important princes of the world have come and one by one they step forward and uh, basically embarrass themselves. Most of the ordinary princes, some of them try to string the bow, and the bow snaps back and sends them flying. And imagine they have to pick themselves up and pretend like nothing humiliating happened. And, you know, these are young, proud princes and walk back to their seat like, I didn't really want to string it anyway. <laughs> so all these princes are being humiliated. And then some of the greatest warriors like Karna, or, or Duryodhana, there's a whole story about Karna which I won't go into because it's actually not there in the critical text. Anyway, so everyone tries to string the bow, and no one's able to do it. Actually, who was it that was able to string the bow but couldn't hit the target? Karna. Karna. Strung the bow but couldn't hit the target. So then, the Brahmins are, are, are telling Arjun, you know, try it. Try it. You got nothing to lose. So, and Arjuna, of course, has seen Draupadi, and he steps forward. Now, one more detail at this point, and that is, this is the first point chronologically in the Mahabharata that we meet Krishna. In the Mahabharata, Krishna and Balaram. Krishna and his older brother Balaram are there, and what's interesting is that the Pandavas are in disguise, and there are a lot of people in the audience, there are a lot of people contending for Draupadi that know the Pandavas. Duryodhana is there. Karna is there. There's all these people that actually know them. And so they're, they're in deep disguise. I mean, not only they have like baggy robes on, but you know, they all kinds of other things. They obviously, you know, have their hair done a special way. <laughs> and they're, the Pandavas are in deep disguise. And yet there's this amazing scene. The first time we see Krishna, Krishna is just watching everything. And he turns to Balaram and says, oh, there are the Pandavas. Yeah, that must be Yudhisthira, and that one there is Bhima, and that's Arjuna. This is very interesting, because we have no history of, of Krishna and the Pandavas even met. And yet, so from the very beginning, from Krishna's first appearance, it's clear that he is not an ordinary human being. He knows exactly who everyone is. Anyway, so then Arjuna steps forward, and the reaction to his stepping forward is mixed. The Brahmins are kind of getting a kick out of it, like, hey, look, it's one of our guys. <laughs> and, <laughs> so they're kind of like, they do this funny thing, when the Brahmins get like real excited, the way Brahmins like, in ancient times, cheered, was they, they would take their chaudras and the top down and kind of like wave their claws. <laughs> they didn't have those, you know, air horns or stadium horns in those days, so they would just, they just wave their claws. Now, the, um, the Kshatriyas thought, were, were sort of like half amused. They were half amused. Yeah, you the way. The, uh, the Kshatriyas were, were half amused and half irritated. Because they thought, what is he doing? This is not a Brahmin event. You know, just ring your bells and <laughs> do your fire. So there, there was definitely a tension here. <laughs> but they thought it's just some, um, you know, it's a word for meal. You know, they thought it was just... 
Here's this. <laughs> it's a foreign word. Anyway, so here's So Arjun comes forward, and it's just, you know, some, some Brahmin kid in baggy robes, and probably he's probably going to trip over his own robes. <laughs> but then Arjun goes out there, and he strings the bow without too much problem, and then he takes the arrow, and he goes into his meditation, and he hits the target. And at that point, as they say, the crowd goes wild in various ways. For one thing, the Brahmins go berserk, and they love it. (laughs) And the Kshatriyas are furious, because, hey, you know, we give you guys charity. (laughs) You know, we we give you all this stuff, and now you're stealing our women. So the, uh, so the Kshatriyas, the warriors, were absolutely livid. They were outraged. And uh, they wanted to kill this so-called Brahmin. And so they rushed forward. They were, I mean, even if a Kshatriya wins a woman, you know, he has to fight his way out of the arena. And here's someone who really shouldn't have been, you know, you can't, now the Brahmins are stealing our women. So all these great heroes came forward to stop Arjun, and then... Um, and it's funny, I mean, it's kind of a farcical scene in some ways because the Brahmins pour out of the, out of the stands and, 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 and they're a little like, I don't know, Kamandalus, a little <laughs> water pots and dundas, you know, they're going to fight these great Chaitrias. Uh, 
Bhima and Arjuna take Draupadi she, because she put the garland on Arjuna and so technically she accepted him and it's like, it's a done deal. And so Bhima and Arjuna fight their way out of the arena, take Draupadi and somehow flee back to the potter shop. Uh, Drupada, who by now, actually Drupada took shelter with the Brahmins. <laughs> and then he tells his son Dristadyumna, follow them and find out who they are because in all the excitement, Drupada giving away his daughter to this Brahmin, this and that, it suddenly occurs to Drupada, I have absolutely no idea who just took my daughter. <laughs> <laughs> so Drupada sends his son Drupada to go find out who they are. Who, I mean, who is that guy? So Drupada goes and he comes back comes back to his father and says, I don't think they're Brahmins. I don't think, you know, the, the one who won Draupadi and uh, the other one seems to be his brother, I really don't think they're Brahmins because Drupada actually saw them. He kind of was spying on them a little less, you know, and he saw them and they took their robes off and, you know, they were the Pandavas. And they had the, the, the typical scars of warriors because when you shoot an arrow all the time, you get, you get certain marks on your arms. They had the marks of warriors. They were built like warriors. And just as you said, only talk about is fighting and wars and battles and things like that. <laughs> you know, no mantras. <laughs> so, um, so it looked like they were Kshatriyas, and Drupada was still holding out the hope that what if these are the Pandavas? Of course, just to do, just to do never met them because he was born long after all this stuff. Oh, by the way, Drupada and Drupada were born kind of like grown. That's why, I mean, they were born recently, but they were, that's why Drupada was a mature young lady and Drupada was a mature young man because, like Vyasa, it was a celestial birth. They, were just, they just came out sort of ready. And so, it's interesting, Drupada had to prepare a reception because he, just, he gave his daughter away to this guy, he doesn't know who he is. And so, there were different ways to receive people from different uh, sectors of society. There was a Brahminical reception, a Kshatriya reception, a Vaishnashudra reception. They still didn't know who these people were. It could just be like a real tough Shudra. They didn't know who it was. And so Drupada actually prepared receptions for all the different varnas. And then he, you know, it's like diplomacy. And then when they get here, we'll figure out who they are and we'll just, you know, we'll press that button. So they prepared all the different receptions. And there's this beautiful scene. I, I, I think it's one of the, uh, I think it's, it's one of my favorite scenes in the Mahabharata where uh, Drupada sends word to Arjuna and his family, like, please come to the palace and let us receive you. By this time, the other Kshatriyas have kind of calmed down and gone home. And so the Pandavas now come out of hiding. And, uh, you know, no more baggy robes. They're actually dressed nicely. And you can actually see who they are. And they, they walk into... They walk into the palace of Drupada walking like, like kings. You know, before they kind of had to walk and talk like sages and fake everybody out, but now they can be themselves. They're actually walking like princes and kings. <laughs>
and they walk into the palace, and everyone that sees them is realizes these are very important people. And Eudistir, without even waiting to be asked, goes and sits in a seat that's meant for royalty. And so Drupada realizes that you know these people are royalty, and then he he asks them that you know who are you, and he reveals his his secret wish that that one of the sons of his dear friend Pandu would marry his daughter. And Yudhishthira tells him that you will not be disappointed. We are the Pandavas. And so at that point, the Pandavas, you know, what would you say, out themselves, they they reveal themselves and uh, then they have one more bit of information for Drupada, uh, for King Drupada, which is that, oops, we're over time, so let's find it out tomorrow morning. So thank you very much.